What is up, Metal Maniacs? You've got another episode coming featuring a special guest. You've got George. You've got Tom. And you've got Jarvis Leatherby from the heavy metal band Night Demon. Another, Another podcast, podcast coming. coming. <laughs> Hell yeah, guys. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I have water, but cheers. It's okay. As long as you're... Oh, am I the only one who's got beer tonight? No, you the have a one PBR. I've got beer-flavored water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I figured like we're doing like a sort of... If we're interviewing a traditional metal band we got to have traditional metal beer yeah i know man i know i wish uh i wish we traditional metal had a better beer but you, you're on the money with that one yeah <laughs> i mean i mean listen uh i really i like pbr i really do you know sometimes i like beer that is just beer and nothing else yeah, so that, that's when i go for that you know if i want something like extra fancy i'll go with um usually einstock or whatever Sam Adams has is their seasonal. Your love of Einstock. Like how much of that like comes that, from the Viking being on the can and how much of it comes from the beer being good? Well, uh, the initial love was definitely the Viking on the can, but it also happens to be a fantastic beer. So that's where my sustained loyalty comes in. Takes another drink or two. That Sam Adams Oktoberfest is pretty decent. I really like so that one. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be one of my favorite brews they do every year. Like, oh, cool! Ball- yeah, good. I, I drink that every year too. Yeah, yeah. The, the their Oktoberfest is not to be missed. No. Uh, all right, gentlemen. So, where to begin? Sure, I've got some notes, and yeah, we should definitely start by introducing our guest. Mm-hmm. Jarvis is someone who's highly visible in the underground metal scene. He's organized heavy music festivals in Ventura, California and Derry, Ireland. You could call him an ambassador of the genre, a defender of the faith. So welcome, Jarvis. Heavy metal is like a way of life for you. You're the vocalist and bassist in Night Demon. You also play bass in Sirith Ungol. You manage other bands. You run a label, Iron Grip Records. I don't know how you have the time to do all that. And you have your own podcast too now. So Jarvis, man, that's a lot of credentials. Yeah, I guess I have time to do that because I don't have time to do anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so so I guess that's it. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of weird. I I, I guess um, you gotta spin a lot of plates these days if you want to go full time. You know, uh, but I'm mainly known as the bass player and vocalist for Night Demon, and I think that's what will end up on my tombstone since because there's not enough. For, you know, you can never write right enough on those things you know so (laughs) i mean um, in probably the next 20 years they'll have digital tombstones that they'll just have like an entire bibliography and biography about you on that 
Um, it might not go even out be and copyright that right now. Yeah, exactly. that right now. We're gonna you know, make exactly. money on that, bro. Dude, that's gonna be where we really make money. That like the that, digital that, did. Yeah, the NFT, the NF tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Now that's I've got it. Now I've got to give. Now I've got to give you uh, royalties from it. So you've got your hands. That's all right. The block. Pot. The blockchain will take care of it. You don't even have to do anything. So oh my god! Every, god. every time you sell it, I'll get I'll get a royalty. <laughs> I swear, my genius is frightening sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so Jarvis, we've got a few listeners who have asked us who are some modern bands that appeal to Judas Priest fans. Night Demon is definitely one of the first names I had in mind. So I got to thank you for coming on the show. It's awesome to have you. I'd like to turn it over to you and let you introduce Night Demon in your own words. Yeah, so Night Demon is like, I guess, a traditional heavy metal band is what we would be categorized as these days. I guess that's our, you know, metal has like 268 subgenres, and I guess that's where we would fall in if you had to classify it. Um, around, you know, probably like a, with within like three to five years before we formed um, like this kind of new wave of traditional heavy metal, as they call it, movement started with, with bands, um, you know, kind of tired of the new metal thing or, or how extreme metal was getting, or also how dumbed down it was getting and, and younger, like a new gener newer generation of people, even a bit younger than me just said, Hey, you know, we, we like the stuff from the seventies and eighties and, and um, that's the kind of style we want to play. And so bands were coming out kind of writing that stuff. And we kind of fall into that category. The bands formed uh, 10 years ago, but didn't really do anything until about eight years ago. Um, and since then, I mean, we've just, we've, we've really just, you know, I started the band when I was 30 years old and that's usually when bands, uh, like pack it in you know i kind of went the other way and uh but took it very seriously and and kind of you know we all quit our jobs and we were homeless for a while and we just we toured our asses off you know and uh prior to the pandemic so before 2020 leading up to 2020 we had done um 600 shows in the four years prior to the pandemic so right yeah. around the world yeah and uh so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, we, we live the heavy metal way of life. We actually live the lifestyle and, um, that's what you got to do these days. So, um, you know, uh, bands like Priest obviously were a heavy and still are a heavy influence on us. And it, it's, it was like, you know, the first half of my life, there was no internet, you know, or, or at least it wasn't popularized and people weren't using it. Your everyday people weren't using it. So seeing how how trends changed and evolved through music you know for a long time we just thought that there was never like that that ship had sailed even though that's what we love so when we formed night demon we really had no idea that anybody would care or, or like it we were just doing it for ourselves you know i had no idea about the underground subculture that was brewing around the world and thank god uh they caught on to us you know, because it's, we've been able to make a career out of it, but that's the beauty of the internet and of technology, you know, like there's a scene for everything now. Nobody's really looking to the mainstream to tell them what's cool anymore, you know, so...
yeah i mean there's so much more to tell about the band but anybody can 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 wikipedia that or whatever you know but yeah that's a pretty good elevator pitch though yeah yeah that's the gist of it yeah so i do notice that there does seem to be a trend this is going to kind of sound um like an oxymoron like a trend away from trend chasing in metal but that kind of leads me to my first question is that how did you feel when you discovered that not only is there a hunger for traditional heavy metal, but that there are other musicians that share that same passion that you do? Uh, it, was, it was weird because like when we, we, we come from Southern California where it's, we've been dominated by punk and hardcore especially the town that we came from, you know, there was, there was no other metal scene happening per se at all. That added to the disbelief of anybody really liking what, what, what we did for so, for so many years, but you know, night team is a three piece band and it's a three piece band because it, the way that it started where there was only two other guys that I, I knew. And I know a lot of fucking people like that, that like this stuff, you know? So Again, even then, it's like slim pickings in your own in your own group of friends or your own scene at the time, at least. When we started hitting the road and stuff and playing festivals and hooking up with other bands, it was a real like a breath of fresh air. You know, that we were like, wow, there's a lot of people out there really, really doing this, you know, and really having a love for it. But again, it, it was still so underground and and it we were really one of the bands that kind of inspired all the other bands doing this to take it a little bit more seriously because they saw that you can through us you can have success or you can tour full time if, if you really want to you know and a lot of bands kind of followed our lead and that's the biggest compliment you know is that we we were able to to change things for people you know we were able to be a pioneer or a trendsetter and i oh i don't want to say trendsetter because we're we're getting we're getting away from trends but sure uh, you know we we were able to you know like in life if with everything you do it's like especially when you're in a band you know it's like it's always like uh, you know hey look at me or look at look at what we're doing you know and to take a step back for a minute and just to be able to do something that actually helps people is is way more gratifying like it really it's just like it, you really feel it inside. You're like, okay, like we're actually doing something that's important to other for other people and to them. And they're, they're able to take that and, and it's, it, we're able to inspire people instead yeah. of just, uh, you know, cause the, the rock star thing is pretty much non-existent anymore because of social media and everybody has their own webpage, you know, and, and the mainstream culture tells everybody now since they're, basically since they can walk and talk that they need to be famous, you know, and it's yeah. just, it's created a really a sickening in, of the, of the public minds, you know, yeah. about what like, that really means. You that know? kind of like spotlight culture where it's people, crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure to almost, almost make yourself into a brand. You're selling your personality on social media to make yourself seem more likable, desirable, hireable, whatever you want to say, like whatever you want to call it. So the fact that there is maybe not a backlash necessarily, but there is, what word would I use to describe it? Sort of a counterculture against that, where it's not about the fame of the artist, it's about the music. Right. But like, it's also like, 
everything on social media is fake. Okay. Like it's all fake. Like even photos people take of themselves, you know? So it's like, and especially now it's like, I can't even tell. I see some people that I'm like, I saw that person yesterday. They do not look like that. Even though it looks like a real photo. I'm like, their face is like twice that size. I know that. How the (laughs) hell did did they do that? You know? Sure. But but it's crazy to me because that's for some reason they think they're pulling it off. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. But what I'm saying is like, nobody wants to idolize anybody or get behind something or appreciate somebody because they feel it should be them. And it's like, I see. Is there a jealousy? Everybody has the platform. Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody has the platform. Like, so for example, you know, like I do a lot of interviews and I'm in a lot of magazines and stuff like this. And a lot of this stuff gets shared on social media. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like back in the day, you're not, you're not a performer or you're not an entertainer, right? Like you're not, you're not in magazines, you're not being interviewed, you know what I'm saying? But when you don't have that, that same visibility that those people do, you tend to look up to those people because there's a reason why they're in publications because they're doing something of interest, whatever it might be. It could be saving the whales or something, you know, but they're doing something of interest and the public wants to hear from them about what they're doing. So you take your time and go, Hey, I really like what this person's doing. I'm going to support what they're doing by buying their records or like, Hey, maybe they're inspiring me to be in a band or maybe they're inspiring me to go save the whales. Right. And you kind of like, you revere people more like that. Now it's different. Now it's like, wait a minute, this guy's got a Facebook page. I've got a Facebook page. I need that recognition, you know? And it's, it's, uh, it's addictive, you know, it's like, it's, uh, people, people get hooked in these cycles and like, it's a dopamine hit, you know? And I, so I don't, I don't blame anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. Like, I'm just saying that that's, that's the world we're living in. And, and me as somebody who's, I guess, a, a public figure of sorts, I've just learned that that's how things are now. And that's okay. Like, it's okay. Like I don't hold, I really don't hold it against anybody, but I do realize that that's why there's a little less fluff coming towards me and it's fine. I mean, you don't, you know, you you don't, you you get enough strokes as a kid and you're fine, you know, I mean, you know, (laughs) but it's just like, it's just like anybody could do what we're doing right now and talk and put this on their, on their channels and, and potentially have the same reach as, as all of us. They, they have the potential to do it as, as to where before you didn't have to do it. So I do like the fact that there's less gatekeepers and there's less barrier to entry these days. If you want to do something, you can, you can do it on a global scale, you know, and, and you can do it for free. And, and I think that's a, that, that's a pretty cool thing. That's the cool thing about it. Yeah. And isn't it interesting, Tom, that these sort of subjects of how social media is affecting the landscape seems to keep coming up on our show. We talked about it with Stephen Waddell. I feel like we've brought it up in other episodes. Yeah, we touched on that with Trevor Church as well. He kind of was getting into a little of the um, social media aspect of being an artist nowadays. Yeah. And like with all things in life, when it comes to social media, you take the good with the bad. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's all the research backing up that social media is contributing to a massive rise in narcissism amongst the oh, population. Yeah. But then you also have 
good things that social media has enabled. Like now, it's so much easier to sort of get in touch with artists and build up a connection. You couldn't even imagine like 30 or 40 years ago going on the internet and just being able to chat with Glenn Tipton in five oh, seconds. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, no way. Like Because it's so pervasive in our lives now, especially in um, the modern world where you know, we have more access to people now than ever before. And I like what you were saying before, Jarvis. It's not like an inherently good or bad thing. It just kind of is. But yeah, and also let's talk about what you're up to now, Jarvis, because Year of the Demon, the new Night Demon album, is coming very soon. In fact, it's out now, and you can hear it. March 25th. Comes out on my mom's birthday. How about that? She'll love All it. All right. I wouldn't really call it a new album. It's a compilation of the 2020 singles that we released. We did five seven-inch singles in 2020. They sold out very quickly, however. The songs, the A-sides were digitally streamed, but the B-sides weren't. And so this is a uh, full compendium of of all of that. So it's 10 tracks. It's the five A-sides with the five B-sides. And, you know, it's just, you know, we're, we're getting back to playing shows around that time at, after a couple of years dormant, you know. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, we never got a chance to tour on these songs. So we wanted to to put out something fresh. So in a way it's like a way for everybody to finally get the full collection of these songs and for us to hit the road and go out and play them before we release uh, more new music, which will also be coming this year. So. Yeah. And I had a couple of questions to ask you on the back of that, because even though this album is technically a compilation, because it's been released before, you know, it's, a CD or a vinyl with 10 songs. So for all intents and purposes, it's the same length as a regular album. And this material is going to be new to a lot of people. And as far as the original songs, the quality is as good as anything else you've done in the past. So thank you. Well, I'm just telling the truth here, but that being the case, it, it makes me wonder like what is sort of, the placement of this album in your canon. And I ask that because a lot of bands, yeah. they'll go out on tour and they'll just sort of forget that any of their EPs or those rarities albums ever happened. They don't get a lot of representation in live set lists. And even when you go on an app like Spotify, those releases are like shoved down in the singles section separate from the albums. You can't even find them if unless you're looking for it. Right. Yeah. You know, with Spotify, I'll answer that in reverse order with the Spotify thing. I don't know how that's going to show up, but it's, you bring up a good point that I didn't even think about. Like there is, I think it goes like albums 
and then like singles, EPs, and then compilations. Mm. So technically it's a compilation, but I, I'm going to make sure to, you know, I'm going to push the label to have it, to, to put it as an album. You know, I mean, it should show up in our, in our albums. Um, I don't see it as the third full length Night Demon record, but I also see Darkness Remains, which was our second full length album as our third album, because I'd see our debut EP as a, as our first record. I mean, I really do, you know, it's like four songs that were, that, that stood on their own that we toured off of for the first few years of the band. And those songs still make it in our live set all the time. So like, I, I, it's a weird thing. That's that's a weird thing you say there, George. But uh, but yeah, I guess I don't really see it as a full length record. But it, it, I mean, I can't really deny that it that it is. It's just I think it's the thing that it's forty percent original material and sixty percent cover songs makes me lean more towards it not being a full length Night Demon record, right? But it's and it kind of sucks because I like to have a pretty clean discography. But obviously, we we jumped the shark on that one with this, you know, but. <laughs> But it's still a cool thing. It's still unique. I think I like to have a clean discography because I try and closely model our career as closely as we can to our heroes, much like Judas Priest, right? Metal. Or Iron Maiden and stuff. But in, in, in regards to you asking about where these songs are going to fall in the live setting, I mean, look, again, it's 40% original. So you have four original songs. Like, yeah, that's easy. That's an easy call. Night Demon songs are short anyway. So our songs average around three minutes and five seconds. Like if you put them all together, probably be that length, maybe right into three minutes. So we play a lot of songs live, especially in a headlining set, but even in a short amount of time, we play we play uh, more songs than most bands. Most most metal songs are are long, and in my opinion, they're they're too long. You know, um, I wouldn't but, disagree. Yeah, but I feel like uh, there's nothing you can't do or say in five minutes. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, unless you're repeating yourself over and over again, right? Which is what happens a lot, you know. Or you just have a total epic opus you know, which is also cool, but that those, something like that has a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, so you're going, you're, you're going places with it, you know, but that's not common. So to answer your question about, about that, about the live thing and about songs, making it into the set, I want to stress one very important point. We could put priest in this category too. Okay. So priest has been a band now for 52 years you know so they've got you know me and me being the manager of Sierra Thungal and also the live bass player you know that's a band that's been around for 51 years now right so and the and those guys used to hang out with priests all the time back in the day like when nobody would go like so rad priests would have like played in LA at the whiskey to like a half house you know so but anyway, that's another story. But uh, but what I'm saying then is... Then I'll have to get the Sirith guys yeah. on and ask for their... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After yeah, you. Totally. totally. We're not a band that releases music every year. You know, I mean, we, we are a much more quality over quantity band. I mean, even right now with this compilation coming out, we have 29 original songs, you know, and they're short.
okay, I did I did a research paper years ago for myself. Like I wasn't nice. cool or anything, and I never showed it to anybody. But I started coming up with these with these these commonalities with these bands, and I thought, man, I better break this down and do the research. And sure enough, what I found out, my ten favorite metal bands of all time the meat of their career like the the, oh, the the shit that really matters was it it all happened within the first 10 years versus the first four or five albums okay mm. so that means that like for some bands it was their first four records most some five but mostly four okay like i would say 90 percent of it was their first four records or if that came out in the 10 year span or since bands back in the day put out a record every year, it was like the first 10 years was like the, like the real, the real stuff, you know? So like with Iron Maiden 1980 to 1990, basically, you know, I mean, their first seven records are, are pretty, pretty epic, you know? Can't touch that run. You know? Yeah, you can't, you can't, but like with priest, you know, I mean, priest has like, definitely for me, for me personally, there's like the golden era of priest for me is like, is like sad wings into sin after sin, staying class. And then, you know, the, the, the record after that is ar arguable about what we're going to call it. Okay. But like that record I won't give it a title. <laughs> since, and then the live record, Unleashed in the East. Like that right there, that, that five album set though is like it's incredible. Like Fucking it, flawless. It, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. But but look what happens. It's like bands don't become popular until after that, right? They have to make their, I guess, more commercial record, you know, or or their, you know, their, their, their hit record. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm not going to argue about the changes that priest has made, you know, obviously there's been a lot of questionable decisions throughout their career, but in 52 years, you know, who, who, who doesn't go through that, you know, but, but they, they've, they've been a great chameleon of a band, I would say with, with changing stuff around we don't really see ourselves like that. We see ourselves as a band that, yeah, our sound definitely evolves. And on this next record coming out later this year, you're going to hear that, but we want to stay a band that stays within that range. Right. Or in 2023, we will have hit our 10 years of releasing music and we will have officially, I guess, four records out by then, you know, like, or, or maybe five, if you, if you count, you know, here's the thing. You could put the, our debut EP and this Year of the Demon compilation, count that. If you put them together, it's one record, right? So so I don't know what will happen then. I'm a big Scorpions fan, and I would see them every year that they would tour. And, man, like, in the last 25 years, they would always put out a record and tour. And, like, I would listen to it, and I'd be like, man, there's, like, a couple good, like, just fucking good rock songs on here you know like it's not bad and then i'd listen to the rest of the record and like i didn't hate it at all you could tell that they put a lot of time and energy into it but it never holds up to i don't want to hear that over the classics right but so you see the band on tour they'll play one or two of the songs right and 
then the next time they come around, same thing, new record, right? Same story. Play one or two, maybe three of the new songs are pretty good, pretty decent. And the record before it, it's like it never even existed, dude, right? It's like it never existed. And like, how can you expect your fans to put time and effort to buy something and put time and effort and energy into it and get into it when they know that they're never going to see it live? And and rock is a live performed, you know, music. And I I just really have a hard time with it. I really, really, really have a hard time with it. So this is a subject that comes up very frequently on our show is that I really love the trend. It's not even a trend necessarily because I don't see it from too many people, but Priest for not only the Firepower Tour, but for the 50 Heavy Metal Years Tour are bringing back songs that have not been played in decades or have yeah. not been played at all. They you played know, fucking Rockerola on yeah, the yeah. Right, year right. 21. Like, right. who the hell wants, you know, it's all well and good. I understand, like, when you drop a new album, you got, you're promoting the album, essentially, when you go on tour. So you want to play your new stuff. But I also, I want to hear stuff from a band. Like, go back in your discography a little bit. Really dig into it. I don't want to hear, right. like every song off the new album and then a couple from the old, the last one and then one or right. two old songs. And like, then all of the hits, right? Like the, the hits, you know, and like, hmm. but here's the thing I could say firsthand by being a guy in a band and being a guy that manages bands and being a guy who actually puts tours on, like you have to do it that way. You have to. So I'm saying, you have to give the bands, cut the bands a little bit of slack. It's not like they don't want to do that. Like mm. I'm sure there's plenty of times that priests go out on stage and they're like, fuck, like, like we really have to play fucking breaking the law tonight. You yeah. know, we really have to play. You got another thing coming tonight. Like, it's like sometimes, you know, who knows they could be on stage and be like, like, let's just get through this fucking song, you know, because yeah, like, I mean, like, like I go, that's, so my, my go-to example is when I, I've seen Exodus live four times and three out of those four times, I'm positive they played the exact same set list. I'm more so talking about a band that sticks to like a very rigid set as opposed to. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I hear you. It's a look at man, it's a double-edged sword and I'm yeah. not really criticizing anybody. I'm just saying how unfortunate fucking life is because like because yeah. we well so what I'm saying in my situation, you know, all I can do is choose what we do. I mean, I could talk all day long about what I wish my favorite bands would do, but that's why I just started my own, you know? <laughs> Fair so, enough. Yeah, so so I I I'm trying to avoid night demon being a band that has 10 or 15 records right and is constantly getting better but you know not being able to expose that stuff like there's not a song that we have that's never been played live on our live record it's i mean granted it was a triple vinyl there's only two songs there's only two songs in our catalog that were are not on that record you know like so so I think in a hard rock and a metal band, every song that you make that you put on a record needs to be played live at least once. And there's so many of my favorite bands where there are songs 
plenty of them that have never been, seen the light of day. Oh yeah. And I think it sucks because it's not like those bands don't want to do it. And it's like, how do you, you got to think they, they put effort into writing those songs. And when they were writing them together, I'm sure they were imagining how it was going to feel on the stage playing. Sure, that, yeah. You know? They took time to record it, go into a studio, have somebody produce it, you know, and like write lyrics. Like it's, it's not, it's not easy, man. Like, especially if you want to make it great it's really tough it takes me oh, of course. i don't know it takes me it takes me a long time you know trevor trevor cranks out an album a week you know yeah uh, that guy is so but, productive man i don't yeah, know how that's he does his it. talent yeah. yeah you know but like i just don't i just can't do that like i yeah. i just i take so much longer it's not that i don't put time into it it's just i don't know maybe i'm second guessing myself but again i don't know for me i just I really just, I'm really proud of everything that Night Demon has done. And I don't think we've, we've really fucked anything up yet. So like, mm. if I feel like it's going that way, I just rather not do it. So. did with the singles in 2020 like i see i'd rather do that after 10 years and four or five albums right i'd rather be like hey look we took some time because it takes us a long time anyway to write songs that we love we took a long time and we wrote a great fucking song we wrote one great fucking song and we're gonna go on tour and we're gonna play all the songs you love and this one new great song that you can wrap your head around it's got its own artwork we made a cool video for it and there's you you can learn it you know you can sing it and it's a song that stands up to the rest of our songs and that's cool here you have something new but like you know bands used to have to make full-length records because you had to that's how you got to go on tour because you would sell records and make a living off of it but you had to go out and promote it and the record labels would give you money to go tour because they wanted to sell these records. And then they do all this extra promotion for you. So one hand washes the other. That's how the system worked. That's no longer the case. Can I, can I share something really cool with you? Yeah. So I was looking through my, cause I, um, I wouldn't call myself as like a connoisseur of vinyl. I love vinyl records, but I, I have a pretty modest collection of vinyl records, which by the way, I, I adore that you guys have vinyl. I really love that. We do every format. It's really cool. Yeah. So I was looking through my collection. I have an original print of Persecution Mania by Sodom. And right. what I what I thought was really cool is I pulled it out the other day and I started listening to it. And there was a little um like a little paper slip inside that had a bunch of their merch on it and the sizes. And I realized, oh shit, back in the day, if you wanted band merch, you mailed in for yeah. it. And this uh-huh. is what you use to do it. I thought that was so friggin' cool. Absolutely. Just like uh, getting the toy on the cereal 
box yeah, you know, or yeah. whatever. It's like, yeah, you mailed in, you mailed in for it. You sent your money orders and, you know, and you're, you wait and, two or three months for it to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But people a, did it all the time and so that, long. that's how you did it, you know, but see like God bless technology, you know, I mean, like, it's just so much, it's so much easier now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely have a love affair of how things used, used to work, but I mean, come on, like, as much as technology is like the downfall of like society, as far as like people are just getting dumber by the day, like, like I just, technology dumbs things down a lot for people, but like, man, think about how much, how much more time we have now. We just have to find better ways to use it. Right. Yeah. Because, because now it's like, okay, if I want to buy something, I'm just going to know what I want to go buy and i'm gonna go buy it and i'm gonna get up but instead we spend another two hours on the computer looking at other shit to buy or 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 it leads us it leads us to all these other things right sure but like if you ever gone on amazon and just like like spent an hour looking for like the perfect version of whatever you're looking for yeah or the cheapest version (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. more accurately the cheapest one yeah. yeah yeah but yeah no i agree like i i think uh you know, we we need to we need to keep old old school traditions alive as as far as things that keep our focus. Mm. I think we're so we're so scatterbrained now, you know, and people have such fucking short attention spans. And that's why I'm glad I'm in a band that has short songs. Fuck. <laughs> you know, but, it does make it very approachable, I will say. Yeah, you know, it's I I again though, I think we just everybody needs to just there's so much out there right now for everybody and, and you can never get through it all. And that drives people crazy sometimes, you know, but I guarantee you, we all have a shelf full of books that we bought and still haven't read. So like, would you like to see mine? (laughs) I got one here too, but yeah, you know, it's like, crack that fucking book open, crack that Jimi Hendrix book open that you don't know why you have, but you probably should read, you know? Yeah. Don't watch the YouTube documentary. It's not as good. <laughs> You're probably right. Oh, and I'm sorry. Maybe we should just tie off what we were talking about before. So it sounds like when you're choosing your set list that basically a Night Demon song is a Night Demon song. It doesn't matter if it's from a full length, an EP, or from this new compilation. If it's a Night Demon song, like they're all equally worthy in your canon. Right. And, and I think we usually do at least one cover in every set, but we have, there's a lot of covers that we've released, you know? So it's like those songs are in our catalog. So that, that swaps out every night and that's always fun. I am very, very fond of your cover of We Will Rock You. Uh, as a oh, big, hey, thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. Fuck yeah, man. Like, as like, you know, coming from like a, a sort of a classic rock background, you know, gr- grew up listening to bands like Queen. And I really, I really, um, 
I definitely was taken by it. So kudos to you on that one. Thank you. And by the way, if you like Judas Priest and you like the old school, old school heavy metal, then you you basically do like classic rock. I mean, that's like, I, 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 that's all, that's what it is. I mean, I, it's like, I'm constantly stuck with this stigma. Like anytime I'm walking through an airport with a guitar or something, it's like somebody's thought, Oh, you play, are you a musician? Like, what do you play? Yeah. I'm in, I'm in a heavy metal band. And they're like, they automatically think I'm just like fucking growling at them and singing about gore guts, you know, or like, you know, anytime we have a show that's, you know, it's run by a, uh, the city or any kind of government, you know, it's like yeah. heavy, they hear the words heavy metal and they run scared. And it's like, dude, it's like classic rock. It's like whatever your dad, you're like, bring your dad <laughs> to the show, you know? Oh, he'll love it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, and I, there's definitely some sort of like preconceived notions people have about like, I think, you know, people hear heavy metal and they, I don't know, for like the non-metal head, they think like cannibal corpse, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they definitely, Great. they definitely. Oh, how they became that. the poster boy of metal as far as Ace Ventura. We can take Ace Ventura. Ah, that's it. Fucking <laughs> a. yeah, dude. That, that that would be my best guess, honestly. Yeah, and yeah, actually, because they were, God, I think there was, was it Dan Quayle when George Bush was president? I can't remember. Was it? I can't remember, but or was it? Charlton Heston, the NRA. I can't remember something. Cannibal Corpse did end up being mentioned. Maybe it was Bob Dole when he was running for president. I think it was mentioned, brought out some lyrics, you know, like the poisoning yeah. of America. And he read the lyrics, oh, for, like stripped, raped and strangled or something like that. You know? Yeah, of but, course, he found like the most, vi- the most visceral song he could find in their entire discography. Like, right. I mean, there's, all, there's all, no wrong choice if you're no, trying to right. use Cannibal <laughs> right. Corpse lyrics right. for an agenda. Yeah. They're all I, I come, I come <laughs> right. blood, like speared from ear to eye is still my all time favorite Cannibal Corpse title. Nice. <laughs> Good yeah. one. Yeah, I, you know, George Fisher did an interview a number of years ago. It was this movie. Um, it was done, it was the anthropologist uh, Sam Dunn, and he did. Yeah, um, yeah Bang, um, banger films. Yeah, yeah, like um, metal, a headbanger's journey. I, I that was the one. And George Fisher brought up a really good point. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Obviously, the wretched spawn had just come out, and George Fisher brought up a great point. He said. Listen, I don't think that anything happening on a Cannibal Corpse album cover is going to happen in real life anytime soon. But if you go if you go to the Vatican and you see some of the art there, that is reminiscent of something that can and has actually happened. Why is it different for our album artwork? That brings up a good point, you know. He's a smart man. Yeah, nice guy too. Smarter than I am and better at World of Warcraft. So you were talking about playing covers live, and that's actually getting to the point of the other thing I wanted to ask. So six out of the 10 songs on Year of the Demon are going to be covers, and you do a great job of making them feel like they fit into the Night Demon sound. I'm someone who generally loves the idea of covers, these different interpretations and reimaginings of music. It, It kind of fascinates me. And sometimes... You even get covers that set themselves apart and take on a life of their own. You know, you know, I'm talking about stuff like 
knocking on heaven's door that might as well be a guns and roses song now right. Mm, right. come on feel the noise by quiet riot you really got me by van halen songs that basically they're covers where no one even knows the original so right when you look at the track list for year of the demon do you feel like any of those cover tunes has any sort of similar potential to gain a new yeah. lease on life maybe become a set list staple for you I think the new lease on life thing for sure, like with the song Fast Bikes that we did by this band LaGriff, who like put out two EPs in 1983 and like nobody even knows where they are today. Like can't even get a hold of the guys. Yeah. Like that's that's definitely one of them. Um, our cover of uh, Thin Lizzy's The Sun Goes Down. That's a real deep track on Thunder and Lightning. And we we definitely changed it up a lot. You know, I mean, our cover of Wasted Years, it's a live version, and I don't, we're, we're not going to take the throne on that. I mean, like, it's a it's a class, it's a huge Iron Maiden song. I mean, mm-hmm. well, the cool thing was that, is that they, you know, with all these other songs, you know, the label can just pay, um, like, a middleman publishing agency to say, hey, that is covering this song, and here's your cut. With Wasted Years... Like you can't really do that with Maiden. So we actually had to like ask them for permission and they wanted to hear the song. And like, <laughs> so it was cool to get word back that they were like, yeah, this is great. We approve. So like, that's, that's awesome. So, Damn. so that's cool that, 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 that was there. We've been uh, listening to hundred miles an hour before. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Sierra Thungle cover. And like, you know, we've got Tim Baker from Sierra Thungle singing on it. So you know, that's probably one that I'll make it into the live set. I think when we do play shows with Sierra Thungle, which we do often, because that's a song that Sierra Thungle hasn't played and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, like that's the stuff will seep in, and then the stuff, the the Scorpions covers we did with Uli John Roth in Trance and Top of the Bill. I mean, I, we we kind of said we were going to retire in Trance after that because we got the guy who wrote the song to play with us on stage. So like, we wow, can't really fair. top. Yeah, you know, we can't really top that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'd be it'd be hard to do an Iron Maiden cover like better than Iron Maiden or not even better, like to make a version that sort of um, supplants itself as distinguishable from the original. And I mean that in like because like George was saying that, you know, Guns N' Roses has done knocking on heaven's door. And at that point, that's their song. Um, There was another fascinating point you brought up once, George, that the. what the fuck? Oh yeah, train kept a rolling. Is that the one that Aerosmith did? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That song has apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently it's been covered so many times that no one actually knows who the original artist is. That could, that could be, you know, it's probably from the old blues days and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be, but I think every song, every, every Bob Dylan song that's covered by anybody is better than a Bob Dylan doing it. So that's, that's, that's just my personal, I mean, it's just my personal opinion. Every time You're not talking to song, a Bob Dylan fan. Uh, it's just like, basically like, you know, like, there's songwriters that write for artists. Like, yeah. He should have just been that guy. I mean, he, he did end up being that guy, I guess, because people cover songs, but every single time in my life, this goes back 30 years. Every time that I've heard like all, all along the watchtower or what's your favorite Hendrix song all along the watchtower. Oh, Bob Dylan wrote that. I go, no shit. I go Damn, back and that's listen to wild. That. Yeah. I go back and listen to that. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like that's every so song. I'll take the Jimmy song. version. Thanks very yeah. much. I actually always, I constantly forget that that's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Every song that I've heard that I like that I've learned is a Bob Dylan song. I always go back and listen to the Dylan version. Mm. I'm extremely disappointed, you know, but it's just not my thing. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was floored when I found out that you really got me now was, um, yeah. And yep. that, and I do the, like the original quite a bit, but yeah, the Kinks rock, man. Yeah, Kinks were like one of the first like heavy bands, you know. Sure, but I'm telling you, man, Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing just elevates that song to just almost transcendent levels. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed my priest background here, my pyramid spikes. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what yeah. the fuck is that? That is rad. Yeah, my girlfriend made that. There, she actually made all Dude. these spikes here dude that is so freaking cool oh that's awesome i was gonna ask you like where are you are you at like nasa or something (laughs) (laughs) i'm in i'm in nasa northern ireland yeah (laughs) um yeah i thought that was i was gonna ask you about that because i figured it was like something to do like i thought you'd maybe be in like a studio or something and maybe those were dampeners but no they're reflective pyramid spikes they're very priest that is priest as fuck, my dude. I, yeah. wish that, I wish that our listeners had the opportunity to see that. But they can visualize it. Yeah, true. Um, listeners, whatever you think it looks like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> if you have a studded belt, basically think of that, but it's the entire walls. Yeah, yeah. It's a rather apt comparison, George. And I'm resting my hand on a uh, like fifty gallon oil drum. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking metal. It's pretty. I live the lifestyle, man. I'm telling tell, Yeah, man. You know, I was going to say before, like, I, when we first started, you were mentioning that you were homeless for a while. And there's something that's really admirable about, Maybe about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? But but also like the fact that you like are so dedicated to that path in life. And, you know, really kind of putting all your eggs in the same basket and, you know, pulling it off. That's an inspiring story. Yeah, thanks. There there is a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I'd like to do metal, but, you know, I got to make money. I got to go to school, get my career. And that's all well and good. But, you know, that lifestyle of really just going for the jugular and pursuing nothing but music, it's really. Jugulator. Yeah, there we go. It's, It's very rare. I think it's, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, the the way that I see it is like if you if you want to do metal and then but you do all the other things that you just said, 
then you don't want to do metal. (laughs) (laughs) You, You know, I mean, like it wasn't a thing that I was like trying to do like i wasn't trying to like not have a place to live but it's like sure, of course. You know, we, were, we were touring so much too it was also like the little money we did make like what were we going to do just throw that away on a place that we were never at you know like yeah so we, we kind of had to navigate it for a while like that and i i don't know i got to a point in my life where i was pretty depressed with life in general and so i just said this is what i really want to do it's what i've always wanted to do and I wish I would have taken it more seriously sooner, but I'm still here and it's never too late. And so let's do it now, you know, and what's the worst that could happen? Well, I pretty much experienced a lot of the worst things that could happen and I lived through it. So like it was the only way to go in order to do the things that we wanted to be doing. You know, it was the only way sure. to go. And like it's it's a hard truth that everyone must face on the path to their own greatness, I guess, you know, I mean, you got to make those sacrifices. Do you want the pain now or do you want it later? Yeah. Cause you one know? way or another it's, it's coming down the pipeline, yeah. man. And honestly, in my experience, you may as well get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it is. And like I said, in order to do the things we wanted to be doing that we ended up in, in those, in those positions, you know, and, uh, but the other side of it was great you know the the glory of being out there and doing that stuff was what we really wanted to be doing so when we're there on that stage and wherever around the world it doesn't matter that we didn't have a place to live it didn't matter at all you know sure like i guess like you would maybe say that you were houseless not necessarily homeless either exactly yeah it's not like you know they say what do you what do you call a musician, a musician without a girlfriend that's homeless, you know, but, but <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, yeah, we definitely had a lot of support and, you know, I was definitely doing some couch touring, you know, uh, sure, of course it's, it's not the greatest feeling, you know, it's not the most prideful feeling either, but when people want to help you out, they want to help you out for a reason, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a, well, you have people that believe in you and who want yeah. to see you succeed and get to those levels. Yeah. I just like always want to be able to pay that back to them somehow. And so I hope, I hope I have, and if I haven't, I, I definitely will, you know? <laughs> now it's through your dedication though, that it's the reason that you've gotten where you are, because if you were treating metal, like a part-time hobby, then you wouldn't have been able to go out on tour and expand your brand and build up this big cult fan base that night demon has and right. let's face it, like doing that a couple weeks out of the year, you're not going to get there. You had Some to bands sort do of, that. you had and to make the the sacrifices yeah. to yeah. really do what you wanted to do in life. Right. Some bands do that and they understand that, you know, and, and it's not for everybody, you know, it's not for everybody, but yeah. if you have that goal, you really, you can't have a plan B, you know, plan or else that's all you're ever going to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've heard it said like once or twice that, and I don't know if I agree with this, but like having a plan B is almost like betting on failure. It's a failure of plan A, that's for sure. You know? Mm, yeah. 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 I, I, I understand. I Like I said, I don't know that I agree with that philosophy, but I kind of understand what it's getting at. Well, that's why they call it a fallback plan because you're falling back on it. When yeah. you're, when you're moving forward, you're not falling back anywhere. 
know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> it's just, that's the simple science. So, what do you guys say we get onto some priest? Oh man, right. how about it? Let's get let's get into it, Jarvis. So, we always like to ask our guests, "What was your first exposure to priest? What were your first impressions?" My first exposure, I was, man. Well, when I was a kid, and all the PMRC shit was going on, and the Satanic Panic and all that, mm. that's when I first saw like that's when i first heard about judas priest without even hearing the music you know mm-hmm. just that like the music makes you kill yourself kind of thing you know So there was that. And then I was over at a friend's house once and his brother had a British steel pin and he gave nice. it to me. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And then it was about another two years before I even, before I even heard priests. So I was just yeah. like, it was just one of those things. Hey, like, like I said, before internet, it's like, yeah, you're just a kid. If you've got like, you have no money, you have no car. You know, it's like there's no access to stuff unless somebody directly exposes it to you, you know. So I think it was about 1989, I think I got, I was like, I know, because I was like 10 years old. So probably like, it had to have been like 91. I want to say I I was was with my parents at like a street fair. And there was somebody selling records and, and vinyl was already out. Like nobody vinyl was done. Like you couldn't, you couldn't even find vinyl in record stores really anymore at that point. Oh, well, there was some, but, but there was some, but like the mainstream CD had really taken over. And, um, and I found a three, maybe. Yeah. CD and cassette, cassette still around for sure. But I found, um, uh, screaming for vengeance lp and it was like a used lp and it was like like two two dollars and i was like oh finally i get to hear a priest you know so so that was my introduction and i you know i loved it you know i thought it was i thought it was incredible um at the time i was listening already listening to uh metallica and acdc uh anthrax stuff like that danzig um sabbath but uh but yeah no so that was my first that was my first exposure to priest 
And uh, I did, I, I did get really into that record, but I got to say, I didn't really, I didn't really like it as much as the other bands that I, that I had mentioned, you know, yeah. like um, I, I just, I just wasn't identifying with, with it as much then. I think I was like, um, I was, I was younger and more angsty and into skateboarding. And sure, like, I, I, I really like, I, I, I had a grad- my ear wasn't developed enough yet for it, you know? And yeah, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I think, you're not the first person I've heard who had that, um, that experience with priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause that was, that was my on here that... just a couple weeks ago, our friend Greg from Buffalo, he plays in a band called fatal curse on shadow kingdom records. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying that he was more into maiden and heavier music like death metal. And then it was only as he got older, he came around to appreciating more of Judas priest especially mm-hmm. the records like Sad Wings and Sin After Sin. Yeah, see that, the, yeah. You, you get older and you become a little more appreciative. Of yeah, like that was, that was of my sounds. experience. My experience and, with Priest was the first time I heard them, I was like, uh, I like it, but I don't love it. It took a little bit of time for it to really sink in. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that I know that they're like, Judas Priest is like hands down the greatest band of all time. Yeah. You know, and I, I always get asked the maiden priest question a lot, maiden or priest. And, you know, nowadays I just say both. Like I can love both and they're both so different and they both fucking rock. They're both amazing. Like, why do I have to fucking pick? Fuck yeah. you for making me pick. You know, like, <laughs> why, like why I don't have to be to a side to this argument. Yeah, there And there, you, there doesn't have, there doesn't have to be. That's the mm-hmm. thing. There doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that was my introduction. And then it kind of like, it went cold for a little bit on the priest front because I was like, I didn't, I didn't graduate to more priests from screaming for vengeance, you know, mm. uh, funny enough, I, uh, side note, I read a poll the other day online that, um, like metal hammer, uh, ranked all priest albums in order. And, uh, that was number ranked number one. No shit. Which one yeah. was that? Screaming for Vengeance. Screaming for Vengeance. Oh, yeah. see, it's a pretty that, common pick, I would say. It's not my I mean, pick, but yeah, I, me I and George it. have we have different right. opinions on Screaming for Vengeance, but it doesn't really matter at the in the end of the day, you know. Right, right. So I feel like so much of metal, especially when it comes to discourse, is kind of like, oh, well, what do you think is better, or who's the better band? Like. And really, the the older I get and the more I think about it, I kind of realize Priest and Maiden really are almost apples and oranges. I don't know if there is a comparison to be made between the two of them. The only thing, the only thing similar about those two bands is that they're the longest standing heavy metal bands, like in that heavyweight category. Yeah. Right. That like that have completely like owned it and like influenced generations of music there are bands that have been around for that long and have been very successful with the likes of Def Leppard um I put Saxon in that category too they're pretty they're pretty um consistent but nobody but there's no you never hear them in the conversation you just don't like it's it's a different thing it's a different thing yeah I'm not taking I'm not taking anything away from those bands at all but uh but there's a reason that you know there there's the they're the they are the metal gods you know i mean uh fucking amen and 
yeah, they, they really have taken things, uh, to a new level for, uh, for decades, you know? Um, but actually, um, so fast forward to 1996, it was March of 96. The first real rock star I ever met was Rob Halford. Cool. So, um, my first band, we were playing a gig and I think there was like two people at the show, but one of them was a radio DJ from this station 96, seven, the bus. And he's like, Hey, I'm down here with the radio station and nobody's at your gig. We are supposed to like give away some tickets to see Rob Halford at the Roxy. Nice. Do you, do you want them? And I was like, yeah. So, <laughs> wow. So, it's like, here, so this, man, go meet one yeah. of your idols. Yeah. So this was after fight had broken up and I had actually had that record war of words record. But anyway, so, okay, so I get these tickets to go see Rob Halford. Apparently, we're on some will call list. I go down there. My stepdad took me because I wasn't even old enough to drive. And they're like, we don't have your tickets here. And I was like, what the fuck? Wow. What, what's going on? Lame. So my stepdad's like talking to like the door guy, you know, and he's like, yeah, this just sucks, man. We drove like over an hour to get here and like. He's really looking forward to this. And we won these tickets on the radio. And and the guy's like, the guy, security guy went and talked to the person at the door or at the box office. And they kind of like, all right, just like they gave us these wristbands that had these little red balloons on them. And they were like, I still have it to this day. Uh, but oh, cool. He, they said, he's like, look, these are like backstage passes. Like, just if you go back there, just don't act like a douche. Be cool. Actually, actually, no, don't go back there. It's what he said after that. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So we go in and I've never been to the Roxy. And I'm like, wow, this is actually a small club. You know, yeah. like you hear about all these legendary stories there. And um, there were a couple opening bands that were, that were okay. And I was just stoked to be at a real concert. You know, it was, it was Halford's first show as a solo artist under, just under the name of Halford in 1996. So the opening band is on and I see like Nick Menza from Megadeth is standing next to me. And so I'm like, Oh my God, you know, can you sign my ticket? But then I realized I didn't even have a ticket, you know? And I, <laughs> so I found a piece of paper and he signed it and he was joking, like telling my stepdad, like he thinks I'm the guy from Metallica. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know who you fucking are. You know, <laughs> um, I met, Jay, the guitar player for White Zombie, he was in the crowd and I had him mm. sign something. So I was already like, man, like I'm here like in the real L.A. metal scene, you know, and, and mm. as a young kid wanting to be a part of that, it was just incredible. Sure, yeah. And 
So anyway, at one point, my stepdad's like, why don't you go back there? Why don't you go backstage? Check it out. You know? And I was like, no, no, no. He's like, just go check it out. You know, you have yeah. to pass. So I said, all right. So I just, I'm just like a fucking kid, you know? And I, and I just walk. There's a little tiny stairway in the Roxy that goes backstage. And I just walk up to the security guard and he sees my wristband and he's just like, okay, why are you looking at me? Go, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> so I, so I walked up the stairs and I walked to the, looking around the backstage rooms and I went and, and Rob Halford was just sitting there by himself in the, in the backstage. And uh, I was super nervous and I wanted him to sign something. He was like looking through a magazine and he was like, Oh, Hey, you like, he, he was like super fucking nice, you know? No, yeah, it was cool. And like, I got that a really rad. good vibe off and off that. Yeah. So, um, so that was a good experience for sure. That's my kind of Rob Halford story, but you know, that's awesome, man. I never hear anyone say that they met Halford and he wasn't nice. Mm. Right. 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 Also, if it makes you feel any better about not having anything for Nick Menza to sign, I asked um, Rob Flynn from Machine Head to sign my shoe, and he did that. So <laughs> I didn't have <laughs> At least any like. Did it, right? Yeah, and you still I, have I, the shoe. I dude, they might have gotten destroyed in a flood. I don't know where they are anymore. But listen, that's neither here nor there. If they didn't get destroyed, they're floating around somewhere. So Jarvis, tell us what are some of the Priest albums and songs that identify as some of your favorites? Right. Well. So hard to say because they're all over the board. Let's talk about the good stuff. So, yeah. So, like I mentioned before, that five record span from Sad Wings up through Unleashed in the East is like, man, I sometimes, if I'm on a really long drive, I have a playlist that just plays all of those in, in order. And it's like, I have a hard time sometimes. That's why, like, when I saw the ranking the other day, I'm like, oh, man, like, sin after sin is not the ninth best it's better than that you know that's but what i tell fucking everybody right that record gets like really thrown under it's it's really underrated you know mm-hmm. I, I i think it's a great great album and i i feel like that record stained class mm. and hellbent for leather like to me they're like it's almost like number of the beast piece of my power slave it's like one album it's like you know what i'm saying like to sure, me it, i understand it's got, yes it's got a total uniform vibe and sound to it and like mm. i think that that is well you know i want to throw sad wings in there but there's a little more avant-garde stuff on there it's still one of my favorites but i would probably pick sad wings over all of those three if i had to pick one record but those three, I can't pick a favorite between them. I think they're yeah. just like, and I think Hellbent for Leather is just, it's such an underrated record too. And like delivering the goods, like just the way yeah, it starts, buddy. Like, it's so fucking good. is like you could tell 
like they were so comfortable as a band of what they were doing, man, you know? And so I don't fault them for changing a little bit because what, what's going to happen? Are they going to keep making that record? They just, they just basically made it three times and they did, they did, they did great. Right. So where are you going to go as a band? Right. And, and British steel and screaming for vengeance. I mean, they're, they're great. They're great in their own right, you know. And I think Defenders, is, there's some bangers on that record, you know. I mean, that's Fuck. that's a that's an incredible record. After that, things fall off for me. After that, I didn't listen to much Priest at all. Like I, you know, obviously, you know, there, there's, you know, the song it's still is kind of hard cool. to avoid. It's it is hard to avoid. There's some great songs on Painkiller. So I I know some like I know a lot of like traditional traditional metal heads right that actually painkillers their favorite record over all of the other stuff which is it's always surprised me you know but people really look at that record as like it's the perfect metal album you know like it it's through and through is the perfect metal album but hmm. being in a band i you you kind of like I can relate more to certain things that bands do. And it's like, you could tell they had a whole new like life's blood when they did that record, even though it was kind of the beginning of the end of the, of the Halford era at the time, like with Scott Travis in and stuff like that, like it really like the, they just had a lot more capabilities as a band. And I feel like if Halford was in the band on the, on the Ripper Owens era i think those records would probably be a lot more revered in the in the painkiller conversation you know Hmm. i think that i think that that they were they were getting harder and heavier and stuff like that you know um but i also thought that painkiller was kind of riding on the coattails of what was happening in the thrash scene or like the heavier side of music but it came at the tail end of of that too, you know, pretty much like when grunge came in, painkiller came in, which was kind of like, if you really look at it, it's kind of funny, you know, it's like a pretty big, like you can't get, you can't get heavier than, than painkiller, you know, but the vocals were still incredible and really just, he was really fucking going for it, man. Like, oh, yeah. I have, I have a deep appreciation for, for that album as far as the technicalities of it and as, and, the boundaries that they pushed on it, but it's in the bottom of my stack of, of my favorite priest records, you know, fair. So, but, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I I'm going to go, if I could only listen to one priest record for the rest of my life, besides, well, first of all, it would be unleashed in the East because I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of live records, big fan. That's, that's my thing. And being a musician, I love, I always love to hear bands live because I wanted to hear how they sounded live and I wanted to have that energy and I wanted to, 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 to play like that. But if I had to pick one studio album, Sad Wings is going to be, that's going to be my, my number one, my number one Priest record. It's got the greatest, it's got the best artwork that Priest ever had. Um, It's got the, it's good. It's got such a good vibe. It takes you to a lot of different places. It's just, it's a very English sounding record for the yeah. times. <laughs> it, it, it predates a lot of, it predates the new wave of British heavy metal scene um, completely. And it, it, it takes off where the big three left off Sabbath uh, Zeppelin and, and purple. And really it was, 
the real birth of traditional heavy metal this is that record you know and and i'll go to my grave feeling that way that's the that's the album yeah man you know there's priest fans for every single era of the band you know we did our one-on-one episode where we uh, you know we finally got to cover um demolition and we had a lot of people in our comments section on our Twitter thread that were saying, this is one of my favorite priest albums. You know, there's, we have followers that jugulators, their favorite priest album. We have people where it's sin after sin stained class. Like everyone's got their favorite album and none of them are any less valid than others. Right. Rob Halford's favorite album is sad wings of destiny. So is you're in really? good company, Jarvis. Is it really? It is. Dead ass, yeah. It really is. That's I'm his favorite Priest album. I'm, I'm surprised that he actually picked a favorite, you know? Like, it's hard to do that when you're in a band. It really is. Especially, yeah. you don't pick you don't pick your second album when you've been in a band for 52 years, right? You know? Yeah. Like, Most band, every well, band it's says the that. album where they found themselves a little more so than Rock and Rolla. Yeah, a little more so. Have you read uh, KK's book? I have. Yeah, I think I think he probably thought that they found themselves more on like staying class. But I agree with you. I think it's the album that they found themselves and they found their sound. Like I said, that is the birth of what is considered traditional heavy metal. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's Sabbath. I would say it's that record. You know, and it's fucking incredible, man. I, it, it, you know, it's not that long either. You know, it's not that long of a record. Like, um, and I'm a fan of that. Like the newest Night Demon record that's going to come out at the end of this year. I think it's like 34 minutes, you know? 35 to 40 minutes is the sweet yeah. spot for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, and again, man, like, you know, quality over quantity. If you've got like, you know, if you've said everything you have to say and you've like expressed everything that you have to express, then who cares? You know, like, honestly, like, I feel like there's an appetite for that sort of thing. Not everything has to be like an hour and 15 minutes on a record. Well, the way I see it, if your album is 80 minutes long, then you should be releasing two albums. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like at that point, just make part one and part two. Right, right. I agree. I think if I could have one pre-song, only one pre-song to listen to, though, it would be one of their cover songs. And probably not one of the ones you're thinking of. Oh, boy. But it would be the Unleashed in the East version of Diamonds and Rust. Diamonds and Rust. Uh, it's a banger it's, it's hard so to beat. 
it's so good on that record. It's so nice and fast good on that record. Like, yeah, it's faster. It, oh man, the, the vocals are amazing. I know he re-recorded those in the studio, but whatever. Like, the it's they're still it's, great. Uh, yeah, it's that the recording of that song on that record is like uh, just it's, it's like I get goosebumps just even thinking about it. Man. Damn, it's, man. it's so fucking good. You know what? If it were up to me, I think George. You know, I think it might be Starbreaker. Like, if I could only yep. listen to one priest song for the rest of my life, yeah, man, I think Starbreaker might really? be that song. Absolutely, dude. Like, this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. Is that because of doing this show, I got to discover more of Priest than I had listened to previously, and I absolutely became infatuated with sin after sin and in my mind some of their first metal songs are on that record yeah and right. start to finish it, it blew me away i don't know how else to say it i'm like right i i found sin after sin and i thought it was incredible i think it the longer they... with sinner and it yeah. ends with dissident aggressor it's really? like God. you're riding a real it's like you're yeah. riding a roller coaster that starts from the top and yeah. it stops you at the end of the ride, like dead in your tracks. <laughs> yeah. D- Dissident Aggressor, you know, is just one of those songs that even up to modern standards, it's just so friggin' good. Yeah, it is. Slayer's cover of it was actually pretty good, too. Yeah, we talk uh, about this all the time is Slayer's yeah. cover and how they just have they didn't have to change a thing about it. I think the more that you do this podcast and the more that you deep dive into these records, your taste will change about certain things, you know, and you'll be like, oh, man, okay, like, this is my favorite album right now or my favorite song, you know. Oh, yeah, man. What about you, George? What's what's your one? What's your favorite Priest album and your song? Damn, dude, you're going to make me pick. You've had like five minutes to think about it. Fair enough, man. Well, Defenders is the top of my list. Okay. I love the dark vibe and how yeah. it's like, it is brutally heavy at times, but it's also soulful at other times, yeah. but it never really ventures too far into the pop territory. Yeah. And Jawbreaker is a great opener. Freewheel burning sick. Yeah. Keep Me Alive is probably in yeah. my top five free songs. What's the number one? What's number one? Beyond the Realms always... of Death, for sure, dude. All right. Really? Okay. Okay. That's a wow. Wow. Okay. I was going to okay. say, George, like that doesn't have to be definitive. You can change your mind at a later date. Dreamer Deceiver is really close. That's oh, like, God, that's yes. almost number one. Yeah. Oh, man. There's just so much good music. Like it can be difficult to narrow it down. Let's talk about cool shit, man. Night Demon. Like you got you want to plug your pluggables and send off. Yeah. Like a- so yeah, nightdemon.net is where you can find everything on the band that links to all the social media, has all the news about the band, tour dates. We've got a ton of touring coming up this year. We've got a tour, co-headlining tour with Midnight coming up in Europe in May. Uh Year of the Demon comes out March 25th. We have a beer coming out in April called Beer of the Demon. Hell made by yes. a, Made by a brewery called Casa Agria in Southern California. 
We've got a lot of summer festivals. We're putting on our festival, Frost and Fire, in Derry, Ireland, and on June 17th and 18th. You can get tickets there at irongripheavymetal.com. We've got a big fall tour plan that we can't talk about. And then we've got a new studio record coming out November 4th, which has uh, yet to be titled. So we look forward to that. All the music's done on that, working on the vocals right now. And uh, yeah, we also have a podcast, which so anybody who's listening to this that likes podcasts, please check out the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Mm. It's a deep dive into the band. There's a new episode every Friday. Uh, Episode 81 is coming out next week. And we basically deep dive into the band. It's hosted and curated by a fan of the band. And it's more of a journalistic approach to the podcast style. Uh, We've got people from our road crew, friends, other bands, just everybody that's part of the journey that's Night Demon. And we do a full breakdown of the songs and just the history of the band. And it's a it's a really cool thing. It's an ongoing thing. And, you know, even if you're not into what we do, if you're interested in the story of a real of a real band, of a, of a true heavy metal band that eats, sleeps, and, and breathes the music and the lifestyle, and you want to know how that works and how that how that how that has come about and how it continues to to move along, and you're interested in the inner workings of that machine, then I highly recommend the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast. So, listeners, you got a lot of stuff to sink your teeth into. Can't recommend it enough. Hell yeah. yeah Jarvis, Jarvis, what song do you want us to play out the listeners with? You could play them out with the song Kill the Pain. Kill the I Pain like is, yeah, our second Excellent single that choice. came out in 2020. And it just features on the new compilation Year of the Demon out March 25th on Century Media Records. Jarvis, oh, yeah. it was a genuine pleasure speaking to you, friend. And I hope we get to do this again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much, Anna. This was, so was awesome. Cool. All right. Would you like to do the sign-off for us? Until next time, listeners, this is Jarvis Leatherby from the heavy metal band Night Demon telling you to stay locked in and keep defending the faith. <laughs>